and I'm coding all night. Project won't compile, it'll be alright. Computer science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of B-Bows, my homies throw exceptions. Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Joining us on the program tonight, Cooper, a system admin who lives open source solutions, and Cursor, a software dev with masters specializing in RF technology. Up first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Dangerous Things, who delivers custom gadgetry for the discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. If you or your organization is interested in sponsoring the efforts of of the Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at dangerousminds.io and email us at info at dangerousminds.io. We'll be glad to talk to you about it. So this week on Dangerous Minds podcast, we have Gabriel Lucina. Thank you for joining us today. Um, if you could just start by introducing yourself and telling us what got you into biohacking, grinding, and transhumanism. Yeah, so, um, so this is actually like a really weird kind of interesting question. I, I love this question because, so, so I was working at the University of Washington, material science research, doing some chemistry work. I was working on getting my degree in biology, and molecular biology. And, uh, and uh, I, w- I was getting, really getting into transhumanism and I was also getting frustrated with what we could and couldn't do with kind of like the research world. Uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of uh, tendency to develop a cool thing at the university and then they just kind of like shuffle it away. And so that was um, really frustrating. And, uh, and so I, I started, I started jumping into the, like the transhumanist community. I'm like, all right, well, these guys, they, they want to do something. Turns out they don't. Um, and that, uh, that, that became really boring really fast. And so <clears throat> so I ended up on the biohack.me boards and um, dove in there uh, and it turned into uh, uh, a kind of a, wait, wait, you mean we're not like doing science on each other? Why aren't we doing science on each other? Like you guys really kind of seem amicable to this. And, um, and this is, this is how I got interested in that. Um, what I what I found as being really uh, unique about this community is that there's a there's actually kind of a, a broad variety, um, and so I, I usually just kind of like a it's not a Venn diagram; it's more like a triangle. It's like on one side you have body hacking, you have the the people who are um, they're like, hey, I learned how to eat a sandwich in the morning, and I actually do push-ups, and have you ever considered going out for a walk? And, and this has made me superhuman. It's like, you're not superhuman, you're just like healthy. It's called healthy. Um, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have the, the legitimate biohackers who are like, well, I learned how to do protein synthesis at the lab, and then I like turned my kitchen into a protein synthesis lab. And, um, and, and these are two really, really radically different things. And then if you go up on the triangle, you can see that in your head, there's, uh, there's the grinders, which are like uh, kind of a more of a, yes, we also like to um, you know, eat sandwiches. And protein synthesis does sound cool, but have you ever considered putting an iPhone in your arm? And, and like this is like kind of where the grinders end up. And so you have this kind of weird spectrum of people who are learning how to be good people, better people, people who are learning how to mess with biology, and then people who love that hardware thing, and they're, they're kind of doing that too. And so this is where, um, you know, this is kind of how I, the, the, the place that I, that I fell into. And, uh, and then I, I guess I ended up building a lab and doing a bunch of science stuff. So that, that happened. <laughs> so, so yeah intro so you met you you've given us a little bit of a taste of the different um spectrum of biohackers to body hacking grinding transhumanism in your own words what then uh was your fir- your first project your first experiment so so to speak that brought you into it then you know you you mentioned the biohack.me and doing science on each other, but you know, can you tell us what your first project was and how yeah. that came out? 
Yeah, sure. So, um, so there was a guy on the biohack meet board um, who who kind of threw out this idea about uh, near infrared vision, and uh, his name was Cassis, and um, and it was the one idea that actually was scientifically sound, and and so I got really excited about it, and ended up uh, I was like, all right, let's do this, um, and then and then. I guess over the course of a weekend, I just uh, created the company and then um, started buying chemicals <laughs> and created a crowdfunding site because chemicals are really expensive. And so, so we, had, we, had to, we, we had to crowdfund because we're all poor. And then, uh, of course, we had to create a company because otherwise, where are you going to put the money? And, um, and so we ended up doing that. And the whole point was about actually modifying um, the way that the body uses vitamin A. Uh, we, there's lots of different variants of vitamin A. I, I don't want to get way too into it, but uh, um, we use vitamin A1 a lot. Um, and, uh, and a lot of uh, freshwater fish and amphibians use vitamin A2. Um, and they they use that to kind of increase their ability to see in low light conditions and um, see outside of the normal range of of the visual spectrum. And so we were trying to duplicate that in mammals. So that was it, like we went we went whole hog, as they say. Uh, like oh, all right. Um, it, it involved a crowdfunding thing, and then. Then we actually had like a weird diet thing where we couldn't eat anything except for a modified food, and then um, and then we had to supplement with a bunch of stuff that we bought from like a chemistry store. So, so if that that's your like sort of first dive into the world, um, since then, what sort of um, grinding hacks or even any other biology sort of hacks have, have you got now? Um, so so since then. I mean, that was kind of like the first step. And then I ended up uh, leaving university and going down so that I could kind of finish finish that. Um, and I started working with uh, somebody else off of the boards, um, working on transdermal coatings. Uh, that's, uh, you know, coatings that are able to basically bond to the skin so that they uh, don't get rejected even though they're exposed to the air. And... Um, and uh, oh, and then there was the night vision eye drops. I guess that's the thing. So um, we a after we had done this uh, near infrared project, which everyone was fairly excited about, um, somebody said, "Hey, have you have you seen this weird patent that that somebody threw up about like night vision eye drops?" And we were like, "Wow, that's that's kind of cool." No. And so we, we delved more into that, and then that, that actually became a thing. It was kind of like a, a big deal, and some people took some pictures and served it on Facebook, and the next thing you know, we're doing interviews for the next 8 billion years. So there's that. Um, there's also, you know, like this, uh, like I said, the transdermal thing. I had a, a huge, like a cable coming out of my arm. I stored a movie in my arm, like on a chip embedded in my arm. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, all the basic stuff, magnets, RFIDs, all of that. Now I'm kind of focused on uh, not, not human-centric stuff, if that makes any sense. So um, you mentioned some of the, some of the projects that you've uh, worked on in the past. Do you currently have any implants? What implants would you like to do in the future? Do you have any implants that you've had to remove? Yeah. Um, so, so I had a variety of um, magnet implants. Um, some of them still exist, and uh, some of them I took out for testing purposes. Some of them I took out because they went terribly wrong. And um, so, I, so I got a couple of magnets, and uh, I've got an RFID chip. I've got like three of RFID chips. Actually, I'm going over to a biohacking space um, on Tuesday. And we're gonna go hang out with Amol, and uh, and uh, I'm gonna get one of those new sweet sweet chips that he's been working on. So, so yeah, 
I mean, just the just the general the general set. Is is that the um, the implant party thing that you're? Yeah, to? yeah. yeah I mean, it, like, this, this this is my city. He's, he's right up the street. Yeah, it seems seems pretty cool. I, I don't know if he's doing it as like a. It seems to be like some sort of interactive way of doing it or something like that. I'm not too sure. What, what? Yeah, well, I, you know, and then he's also doing it at, at Hive Bio, which is really cool. They're like more on the bio side of the biohacking. So there's like a lot of people there working on bacteria and mammalian cells and stuff, cool stuff like that. So, so I think it, I think it's good actually because we're getting out of that hardware mentality and we're getting into other cool stuff. Moving on to uh, Exosphere. Oh. We would like to quickly just jump into that as well. Would you, would you tell us more about that and also... Uh... So I'm working with this group now called Exosphere, and uh, they're basically trying to do an alternative to the university system, as weird as that may sound. So the last time I was there, actually, we had a bunch of people come down for the biohacking stream. And, uh, you know, the first thing I said was, okay, so, so what do you guys, what, what do you want to do? Um, and we had one person who was wanting to work on trauma foam. And we had another person that wanted to basically get rid of plastic. And we had another person who wanted to make giant islands that floated in the sea that ate plastic. And then we had another person that wanted to make disposable. You get the idea. Everybody was all over the map. But the cool thing was everybody was super, super passionate about changing the world on a, like a molecular level. And so we ended up having a, a few people who started their own company and a couple of people who are working on papers to submit to scientific journals. And uh, everybody learned how to do material science. And they also learned how to do a, a fair amount of genetic engineering. And so this, this coming January, we're actually doing this again and we're a little more focused. And so... Now, instead of asking them, what do you want to do? We're saying, here's what we're going to do. And this is, this is basically the tool set so that you can do whatever you want to do. Um, so we're going to be working on aquaponics. We're going to wor be working on biopolymers. We're going to be working on molecular batteries. We're going to be working on, oh, actually, my favorite project is basically, we're just calling it ENTS. You know, ENTS, right? From That's like yeah, parents. so 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 the the founder of Exosphere is actually calling it aggressive trees, which I also really like. Oh, uh, the, the whole the whole point is that um, I would like to develop trees that reforest as fast as we can burn them down because we're really great at breaking stuff, but we're not actually really good at putting stuff back together. And so that's one of the things that I'm going to be trying to to focus on when I'm down there in Brazil. It's like a cat and mouse kind of, kind of game. You're trying to get rid of. Yeah. We're going to be using a combination of genetic engineering and uh, different, just planting techniques to see if we can reforest extra fast. One of the things, uh, so, so of course I'm in Seattle, so like hating Monsanto is kind of like a pastime here. Uh, people love to do that. And at the end of the day, genetic modification technology is... Um, it's tool. It's it's not inherently good or bad. So it's like a hammer. Like you can build a house with a hammer, or you can hit somebody in the head with a hammer. But the hammer isn't the problem. The problem is how it's used. And so what we're trying to do is, is take people that are very excited about the technology and teach them how to build houses. All right. Well, you mentioned uh, GMO trees and a hammer. Well. <laughs> Is your hammer of choice uh, CRISPR? If so, tell us a little bit. If not, tell us what it, your hammer of choice is then. You, you know, my, my, hammer of, my hammer of choice is not CRISPR. Um, CRISPR is a really great piece of technology, but it's really, really specific. It, it does one thing really, really well. And so, actually, we're, we're going with the meat and the potatoes of the genetic engineering world, like Gibson mix, restriction enzymes. Because that's how like 95% of all genetic engineering is done. I think that it's more important that people learn how to use the tools that are actually there as opposed to uh, the thing that, that everyone's really excited about. 
I know how to do CRISPR. And I, I mean, we're going to have a couple of CRISPR kits laying around. But at the end of the day, we're we're looking at the kind of the core level tools that everybody ends up using when they're in a in a genetic modification or an engineering lab. So like, you need to you need to have those things. I know you just sort of like mentioned hammer, and I promise it's the last time we talk about hammers. But um, I was just sort of going to raise a question in terms of the responsibilities because you used the idea of the hammer as it could be good or bad as well. How do you feel about the, the responsibility in using things like genetically modified, uh, even trees or even? Um, so, so again, Seattle. I have this conversation a lot actually. And, and, and what, it, what it really comes down to is we've been doing genetic modification for a really long time. Uh, every, every dog in the world comes from one breeding pair of wolves. So when you look at it like that, it's like, oh, okay, okay. I mean, most of the food that you eat is genetically modified. Yes, it's been done through breeding, but it, it's been done blind. That's the thing. It's like the genetic modification of the dog like their their tool, if you want to call it that, was basically putting puppies in a bag and throwing them in a river. That's a really blunt tool right there. Uh, so the fact that people know what they're doing now is is great. I I think it's awesome. Is it going to be a little bit of like loose and out of control? Yeah, probably. Is it going to? But like we know what we're doing now. We can understand the risks. It's a, it's way better than just why well, decided to make two dogs have sex repeatedly until I got the puppy that I wanted. I mean, this is okay. Speaking of uh, producing uh, what you most want, I'm curious more about the uh, the tree goal. Uh, as if you're splicing in buds, like the traditional way of uh, tailoring a tree to get different aspects added to it. Like there's been some ridiculous trees that have had umpteen buds added to it. So it creates bloom multicolored when it, when it blooms, but then it also then produces tons of different varieties of fruit on just one tree. So I'm, when you're talking about reforestation, I'm curious about the goals for it. Are you interested in uh, lumber, food, oxygen, soil conservation? You know, what, what's the main goal of that? that That's a great question, actually. Um, and uh, so, so, so I'm kind of in a mode of not being super anthrocentric, if that makes any sense. So, uh, like, if you're going for lumber, that's an industry thing. It, it's, a, it's a monoculture. It's, it's kind of awkward. It's not really good for uh, making things work in the long term. Uh, same thing with uh, hardcore grafting techniques like you were talking about there. Uh, this is really more about, uh, about redeveloping an environment that helps us out in the long term. It's it maybe not a it's maybe not super exciting for, hey, I wanna make a lot of money, uh, but it's actually really great for, I would love to suck a lot of carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. I want a place that like encourages um, species diversity, that type of thing. So uh, yeah, no, I actually had somebody ask me the other day, and they're like, oh, so is this like for the lumber industry? And I'm like, nah, man, like we, we know how to grow white pine. We can do that. Like, like this is, that's the problem, actually. The problem is that type of mentality. Um, so, so yeah, this is more about like really broad, like have you ever wanted to build your own rainforest type of thing? And so, um, so that's, that's kind of what we're more focused on now. With that sort of answer in, in mind, um, I think it goes well with uh, the Cooper's question, uh, which luckily uh, he asks this question every interview. Um, I think we have one with uh, Macadelli Davis. I think he, uh, he answered it quite well, but it may come into what you're doing as well. So if you've, have, you, have you ever thought of sort of partnering with any of the space agencies with their attempts towards a mission to Mars? or um, in any of your current or past projects? So, so this, is, this is funny that you asked that because um, about five years ago, I started talking with, um, with a group called Tread. They don't really exist anymore. They broke off and they started doing their own things, which was great. Um, but it's all, yeah, they're, like, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you like to grow trees and stuff? Have you ever considered growing trees on Mars? 
um, which which sounds a little ridiculous at first, but then it gets deeper. <laughs> basic concepts and uh, of of how to alter an environment, and and so actually at Exosphere we have a Mars colonization program. Uh, there's a, a lady named uh, Dr. Susan Jewell, and she's going to be running the Mars colonization program. She's um, she does the go out to the desert, do the, uh, like, if you were in a Mars bio, biohab type of thing. Um, and, uh, and, and there's actually a, a bunch of other groups that, that I know about. There's the, um, like, there's Nicholas up in, up in Olympia, and there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of Mars people, and they all love plants. So, yeah. Um, uh, I... I actually spent all of yesterday talking with uh, people who want a green Mars. Well, before the recording, you had uh, mentioned uh, work at Exosphere with space elevators uh, being developed in a past project. Can you tell us more about that? But also um, was curious about Exosphere uh, knowing a little bit more information like, you know, where, where do they get their students? Because I remember reading something in uh, biohack.me bio forum where they mentioned something like 30 different uh, countries. And uh, it just makes me curious, if you have people from all over the world, how do they communicate? Are you, are you really versed in like Spanish or Portuguese since it's going to be in Brazil? Or does everybody just talk speak English like it's Star Trek or something? Actually, everybody just speaks English like a Star Trek. That's way too easy. I, I yeah, sorry. I, I I'd love to be the guy who knows like eighteen different languages, but it's so not the case. Um, yeah. Uh, so so basically, it's been a lot of word of mouth. We have a really exciting program. We want to do cool things that, that usually you have to not just go to a university, but then you have to go to a university, and then you have to get tenure, and then like. Like, if you want to go through the university system, you're not really allowed to play around with your weird ideas uh, unless you're 60 because you have to go to university and then you have to get a PhD and then you have to get tenure and then they give you a lab and then you can tell somebody, hey, here's this weird idea. I'd like to do this. And by that point, um, you know, you're, you're, you're really old. And on top of that, I think in my field in biology, 53% uh, of the people who go into biology are on the tenure track. They, they're like, hey, I want to I wanna be a, a, a PhD and a professor and stuff like that. And actually only like 4% of them ever end up doing that. So that's not like a really good success rate. That's, that's terrible, actually. So uh, Exosphere ends up kind of being this place where you can take this crazy idea, whatever it is. Like, what's your crazy idea, man? And, and you can just you can just go go with it. Um, for instance, they actually had a like a two month program where they just got a bunch of engineers from all over the world, and they were like, "Okay, space elevator. Everyone's talked about it. Let's do some design work." And they sat down and actually did it. Uh, that's cool. So um, I, I can't tell you a whole bunch more just because I wasn't at that particular one. This was like maybe four months before I, I started working with them, but they're the only group that's ever sat down and openly been like, so has everybody considered the engineering aspects of developing a space elevator? And when you get down to it, this is a really great learning environment because it takes something that, that, that people are passionate about that normal, normally they're like, okay, look, I don't want you to talk about space elevator. Could you talk about bridges? And like you end up designing bridges. Um, instead, they were like, okay, cool, space elevator. You still need to understand all the basic engineering concepts to do this. Like it's it's all physics and math right there. It's an it's a wonderful learning experience, and it's about something that people can get passionate about that isn't just like, have you considered making roads and bridges? Because that's that's boring. It's not what people get excited about. People want to People want to go to Mars. People want to like build space elevators. People want to make trees that grow as fast as we burn them down. 
and and it's actually a place where you can do that, which is cool. I think um, what you said there is quite interesting because it seems that the more people we have on that are sort of doing these other side projects, getting people involved, find that it's always because of a gap in education. Like especially from my own experience, I kind of feel like maybe there is something that is totally missing from the educational system that, that we have um, that is obviously filled by these, these kind of projects. And I think it'd just be interesting to see if, if there was any sort of change we could do to the educational system. I know there's a, there's a famous TED talk that's like schools kill creativity. And it seems to be evident here, um, you know, in, in most of these places. But from, from sort of your experience and your involvement in this, this type of thing, I've got sort of like a two-part question, which would be, one, what would you say to those people that, that are studying something? You know, they've, they've maybe just found that there's, there are these types of places that they can do what they really want to do and where their passion actually lies. What would be your advice into sort of starting that? And also just in general, what would be your advice into someone that was getting into sort of like the grinding world or biohacking world, each, each point of those triangles? The only advice that I have for any of those sort of things is hands-on experience is the best experience. You want to do something, go for it. Like you're interested in biohacking. All right. Then like, you know, wake up at 6am, eat 300 you know, a hundred grams of protein, do your 50 push-ups. whatever you're interested in, like the biology side of biohacking. It's like, have you ever considered cleaning off part of your kitchen? You know, you can go to your local university and pick up lab equipment, um, at a surplus store. You can, uh, like Amazon is awesome for buying lots of different chemicals. It's like, like the, the only advice is go for it. You know, it's like, oh, hey, I, I, like, I have this crazy idea. It's like, well, have you ever met eBay? Because let me tell you what, <laughs> like, like I have a whole lab. I, I have a, a one-bedroom apartment, and we sleep in the living room because we turned the bedroom into a laboratory. It's like really just like dig in, and, and, and especially don't listen to people that want you to be boring, you know? Like if you wake up in the morning, you're like, wow, this, this is boring. Um, th that's, that's a good reason to wake up at all. You know, you should wake up because you want to go to, you want to go to Mars because you want to build a fucking space elevator because you want to, you know, like, do you want glow in the dark skin? Okay. I think that this is biologically unsound, but I strongly support your right to do that thing. Go for it. I was, I was just going to say, um, you mentioned like the eBay and the Amazon, like, being great things just out of interest from from a uk side of things talking to, to you guys craigslist right so i'm oh, told yeah. you can get everything on craigslist and obviously we, we don't have a craigslist so like whenever i'm like searching up how to do things in like tutorials they're like oh i found it on craigslist found it on craigslist like what is this is this like a place of like everything is everywhere yeah not not to go super meta about it but like it's just a bbs dude it's just like a place where people like post things and then trade it. And so it's like, you don't have it. It sounds really cool. That's kind of why you started this podcast, isn't it? So if this thing doesn't exist, why haven't you made this thing? Let's make it. Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's, that's the whole, that's the whole point. That's like, that's the grand mentality right there. It's like, this thing doesn't exist. I want this thing to exist. I'm going to build it. I've got a soldering iron and a complete disregard for personal safety. And I'm going to make the world happen the way that I want it to happen. I mean, the, honest to God, the reason that I wake up in the morning is because I'm bored. I'm really bored. Uh, the world is not as cool as I thought it was going to be. The, 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 the stories that I've been told, the things that people have kind of like, like, this is what, it's like, no, actually the world's pretty dull. I mean, I'm very excited about it as a biologist. Like there's lots of fun things, but at the end of the day, like there's not all the really exciting stuff that I kind of hoped for. And so, uh, you know, you have two alternatives. You, one is uh, the Tesla route, which is that, you know, Elon Musk is going to make us, you know, tomorrow land basically. Um, and then the other route is that, uh, like, fuck Elon Musk. Um, I want his self-driving cars so I can disassemble them so I can make the thing that I want because I want to do something fun. And so I'm going to take apart the other things and I'm going to build the world that I want to see. 
just makes me that much more curious with these different projects you, you're working on. How do you ensure the safety of whatever products that come out of it and ensure you know, even your own safety while working on these projects? So, so this is where we get into the really boring research stuff because this was the question that was asked with the night vision eye drops a lot. And people were like, hey, you know, like, are these safe? And I'm like, I'm definitely not selling it to you. Um, I'm, I'm not giving random people on the internet, um, you know, weird chemicals that I decided to put in my eyes. Um, so part of the safety is I'm not your mom. Like, if, if you want to do something, do something. Like, don't play, like, I'm not involved in this. Like, but the, but the other side is that, like, I actually spend a significant amount of time uh, just reading science papers, doing that, like, that really boring background research. It's like when Amal and I tested out the, the RFID implants, I mean, it was really fun because nobody else had done it before. But at the end of the day, we were totally just taking things and like incrementally smushing them. And, and it took hours. It, it, it's, not, it's not exciting. It's at the end of the day, you, you do your work, you do your research. And, and that means sitting down and, and reading scientific papers for the entire day. Um, the person who's working on the bioplastics, she basically spends half of her day just reading journal papers. It's the least thrilling thing in the world, um, but it's how we do it right. Is it safe? You, you do your work. You do your research. All right. Before we move on in the conversation, I'm going to take a quick moment to thank our friends and share a message. Want to be more together? At the 2017 Body Hacks in Austin, Texas, January 27th through 29th, you'll learn throughout a two-track, two-day conference, discover some of the best companies in body hacking, connect with your fellow cyborgs at the hub, and party at the world. This year, put together, the Body Hacks Fashion Show opens the event on Friday night at the Austin Convention Center. Be more together at bodyhackingcon.com. And back to the conversation. I thought you were going to go, um, da 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 Tell me you guys have a countdown. Else that joke did not make sense whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have a countdown. But, <laughs> yeah, surprised. I'm surprised that I uh, didn't hear Cursor come in and say, are you a Doctor Who fan? Since you're, you're, you just said you're not my mummy. I was going to say, uh, are you, hey, my mummy? you have Doctor Who over there, do you? <laughs> well, yeah. I am. Um, I once asked an Australian guy if they had um, if they had uh, Harry Potter over there. <laughs> Every time he sees Harry Potter is like herpes, man. Everybody has it. <laughs> Every time he sees me, he's like, "Yeah, we have Harry Potter." <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's they the even cool have their own covers. Like they have, like they have their their own unique covers. Like your Harry Potter books still look like our Harry Potter books, which I think is extra cool, actually. There's like this diversity of, of what people think is going to be the best book cover. Yeah, I think, um, well, that's, that's now one of yours, your lots, isn't it? Because it was ours and I think we sold it. J.K. Rowling. I, I just opened up your chat window. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we do a lot of coordinating through that. And, um, no, that, that, that channel is crucial. That's it. But, I think, uh, yeah. Tempted to use that whole quote of Harry Potter is like herpes. Yeah. Everybody has it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we? Cool. So, um, quick question after that break is sort of like in, in your own entire grind, what's the, been the single best moment of achievement in everything? The single best moment of achievement of everything. Um, you know, I kind of got into this via working in a research lab. And so that, that whole concept of like achievement um, doesn't really make sense. Actually, it's more of a, it, it's, it's always a progress. There's no like really special moment. I mean, there's, there's things where you could Google me and people are like, this is the, that's the guy. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, that's just a thing, man. Like, and it wasn't even a real thing. It was just kind of baby steps. 
Like it's always baby steps. I'm actually a huge fan of the fact that like, like most of what you do in research is about failure and you don't really get, you don't really get, you get like small moments of yes, but you don't really get like a, Oh, and now I'm winning the award and now I'm doing the thing and I'm very excited. Look at me and my fancy hat. It's like that, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. What happens is you like something interesting happens and then it goes totally sideways and then you spend another six months doing garbage and you're like, why, why is it all broken? Why couldn't I do that one thing again? And um, so, so I don't actually have one of those, but I'm really okay with that because I think that research is really about like the striving to find something as opposed to the actual finding it. Like once you find it, then you become industry. Then you make a product. Then you go off and you do something, and you know you're 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 building plastic bags in the garage or something like that. I'm more of a you know like I like to just see things how they work. So so I don't have that. So with that. Um even further, how would you see the research you do uh, changing the association of biohacking and institutional biotechnology in the future? Because we keep going back to Exosphere, but it, uh, I guess, in, at least for me, why, why I'm lead it, led back to it is I just find it so interesting because traditional education doesn't really seem to work with a lot of people. It's way too confining uh, and just doesn't lead to uh, very creative thought, creative outcomes, creative problem solving often enough in my own, my own experience. So it just yeah. makes me wonder, and you, know, you might think of it as your own uh, guess towards the future or prophecy of this, but uh, it just makes me curious what so, see it as being an association in the future. So the reason that I'm doing the work that I'm doing now, and a lot of the stuff that I've done in the past couple of years, the reason that I was at the biohacking con a little while back, and and the reason that I'm working with Exosphere is actually all the same stuff. Uh, so I, I I tapped out of university to build lab and do some biohacking and, uh, you know, try to do all this, you know, really exciting stuff. And, and it turns out that the biggest problems that I had, and then I noticed that everybody else had it, was that we don't really have access to the information and we don't really have access to the tools. And open access to information and tools is really kind of crucial here because, you know, now I'm talking with you guys, you know, so you're helping with that, but, a lot of what I do now is actually talking with people. They're like, Hey, I'd, I'd like to build a lab. And I'm like, Let me, let's sit down. Let me tell you how to do this. The reason that I'm doing this now is because like I, uh, I wanted to build myself a wonderful sandbox. And then I realized that there wasn't anybody to play with. Like there's, there's nobody else here. Like it's, 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 it's not even a small community. It's a non-existent community. Like there's, there's no one to have, fun with it's like it's it's like playing the catch with a tree and so uh a lot of what i'm trying to do is like help people learn how to science if that makes any sense you know it's, it's really like a, oh okay so you're excited about this thing have you ever tried doing it yourself do you want to um like be more excited about this have you ever considered building your own lab because you can't collaborate if there's no one to collaborate with because I want to have like a world filled with excited biohacking mad scientists. And that means that everybody needs to have a lab and that everybody needs to be able to get access to those journal papers. And it, it, it means more open communication. Um, so that's kind of like, that's the game plan right now is actually uh, the, the opposite of what we're doing in the university, which is the university says, Hey, you know, you can only do this if you have a degree and if you're, you know, certified to do X, Y, Z. And at the end of the day, it's like, ah, man, like there was, okay. So let me tell you a story. So uh, <laughs> this was before I got into the biohacking board and all of this stuff. But uh, so, so I grew up 
in a in a family where my father worked for NASA and my mom was uh, a microbiologist, and so I learned how to um, streak petri dishes when I was seven or something like that. My dad uh, brought me in to see pieces of the space station before it was developed, you know, like sitting at Boeing. And so, so I had this, this completely skewed, but awesome view of like what normal was where it's like, Oh, when I got sick, my mom would swap my throat and then she'd bring it into a lab and see if we have strep. Like going to a doctor was kind of dumb. Like my, my mom works at a hospital. And so, 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 um, so I started to learn how to do like basic hospital stuff when I was really young. And, and so at one point I was in a state in the Southern United States and I'm not going to name the state and I'm not going to name the city because I don't want anyone to get in trouble. Um, but I was there on a kind of a, like a family field trip with a girlfriend and uh, she got really sick and, um, she, she, um, developed a huge fever and a cyst. And so I actually ended up, um, I mean, it was like two o'clock in the morning. Everybody had been engaging in the party and, um, and, you know, but she was just really unhealthy and I was like, well, this needs to be dealt with. And so I built myself a scalpel while saying it now. Um, so I built myself a scalpel out of a, like a normal razor and a chopstick and some, some tape. And, uh, we, we lanced the cyst. And, uh, and, uh, cause, cause it's not like any of us were going to go to the hospital at that particular time, but the, the situation needed to be dealt with. And then the next morning we went into the emergency room and, um, and ended up talking with the doctor and the doctor's like, Oh, you know, she, the, the girlfriend, she's still feverish. She can't, uh, she can't really talk. So I'm kind of running, running point on this. And uh, the doctor's like, are you a, are you a pre-med? And I just ran with it. I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, okay, well, you're, you're being really helpful here. And, and then we, we get her on the table and they're like, she's like, oh, it looks like you already dealt with the, 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 the situation right here. That's, that's some good work. And I'm like, lady, I, I didn't say it out loud because that would have been awkward, but lady, like I literally made a scalpel with a chopstick and a safety razor. This is if if you think that this is good work, I am seriously concerned about this whole hospital thing right here. Um, and then she goes, "Well," she leans in. She goes, "Well, we're going to have to do a little surgery. Would you like to help?" And I go, "Oh yeah, because I'm a pre-med. Totally going to going to do this. Nope, no problem. Yeah, absolutely." So we scrub up and we glove up and then she hands me, um, she, she pushes the cart over and she goes, all right, let's do this. And it turns out that I didn't even assist. I actually ended up doing the surgery. So at that point, <laughs> at that point, you have to wonder like how, how important is the degree? How important is like, oh, you're a doctor. At the end of the day, if I just say the right stuff, you're going to let me do surgery on somebody. You know, uh, so I, I am super skeptical of all of this wonderful school learning that everybody has. Uh, and I, I have a, I have a degree, um, but really the only reason that I have a college degree is so I can tell people to shut up. So I can be like, oh, no, no, no. See, I have the stick. The stick says I know how to do the thing. Please stop. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's really about like what you can do. And um, turns out that what you can do is way bigger than uh, than what they tell you you can do. So yeah, sorry to go off on a tangent there, but kind of an important point. No, it's definitely a a, a great tangent to go on. Um, I definitely agree with you with the whole uh, um, getting a degree and stuff. I just finished my master's like last week. So <laughs> I was like, how's it going? Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's all good. I've finished past, so you know I've got that stick as well now. Uh, <laughs> to hit a few people but I totally agree with you and it's almost a scary story that makes me makes me uh, feel very privileged to have the uh, NHS service in uh, London which is getting so much stick all the time so yeah um, you, you sort of mentioned at the start of that that sort of like getting everyone out of the education 
sort of into doing the stuff that really does matter. And I, I you know, I feel really strongly passionately about that as well. So I agree with you there. Um, just wondering that of like all the projects that you've mentioned, like what on like a personal level, what's, what's the biggest impact you want to make? And almost like, what do you kind of want to be remembered for in, in the sense of like, what do you want to leave? Like, I want to be that really awkward note in history, that really awkward footnote in history where they're like, and after the, the great frog bear wars of 2020 in Montana, we uh, declared that a, a nature reservation and, and nobody ever set foot in there again. Uh, you know, officials are still, still looking to see if he's actually dead or not. Don't want to sell anything. And honestly, uh, I get really uncomfortable when I Google myself or when people Google, Google me. Uh, I, would, I would like to be, but at the end of the day, I would really like to permanently alter the world in a way that where it maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. I want people to be like, wow, yeah. So you remember that guy? This is why this is why the penguins are so big now, or something. You know, <laughs> like that type of stuff. It's like it was never easy after that, because um, actually, when things are easy, things get really boring. I want people to be like, wow. Do you remember? Do you remember when the trees got angry? That Gabriel dude. God, what a dick. I'm okay with that. I want that. When was your last light bulb moment as a great challenge or hurdle in one of your projects was solved? Or for that matter, you know, when was the last one if you've had a few along the way? Uh, I mean, if you're doing research, I guess like almost every single day feels like that. The, the really like the, the super notable one was uh, with the night vision eye drops. Like there was a patent and this guy used insulin. It's like, why are you using insulin, man? And uh, we were kind of talking about it. We're like, well, maybe he's just trying to like cover all his bases because patent law, like people are dicks. Um, and, then, and, then, and then I found a paper that had to do with like restricting a pathway for cellular uptake and like, they're not really exciting aha moments. They're like, oh, this is how the world works. If you're doing research science, I think that one of the big selling points, not that anybody's going to like listen to this and then just run off and do research, but you know, one of the big selling points is that you get to understand how the world works on like a really tiny level. And so you'll just be reading something. You're like, oh, that is a thing. Oh, that's, that's really cool. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I get those a lot where it's like, Oh, this is why, you know, this is, this is why koalas eat eucalyptus. It's, it's actually the same thing. Like all of those little aha moments that people have, all of your shower thoughts and stuff like that. This is actually how we develop a scientific understanding of the world. You're like, Oh, Oh yeah, that, Oh, that's a thing. Um, and you get enough of those, and then that becomes something that you want to do. So um, I just wanted to ask you a question, because you, you, you've definitely done stuff that, you know, has not been done before. You talk about the amount of research that you do in, in each individual project, which is obviously vital to, to what you make of it. Um, this question is maybe, maybe for, like, the listeners that are sort of, you know, they're really interested in the whole grinding aspect of things, mm -hmm. but they haven't quite taken the plunge. There's always that initial... Oh, uh, you know, is it, you know, socially acceptable? Is it going to be bad, et cetera, et cetera? What sort of advice would you have to someone that's almost on the brink of, like, coming into this, like, major different world? Hmm. Socially acceptable. I'm really bad about thinking about that. Um, no, I mean, like, if, if that's, that's the question. It's like, kids, have you ever felt ostracized? Have you ever said, hey, like, I'm not excited about this future? Have you considered science? Because science is great. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't even know how to answer this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm totally trying a blank. Um, it, it may be even it, just... It really, you know, it, I, guess, I, guess the, I guess the answer to that is um, it really is just that simple. Like, it's actually not a big deal. Um, like, so, so I live in Seattle, and uh, uh, I've, I've actually done implant like implants in bars i mean I, I i went down and sterilized i was super professional but i also did it in a bar because 
everyone's okay with it. Like if you're in a city where people are like not okay with doing cool stuff, go to another city, man. Um, like, have you been on the internet? There are way weirder people than than you. Like, if you're if you're super super stressed out about like whether something is socially acceptable or not, like spend ten or fifteen minutes on Reddit. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff out there. This is super low level, casual kind of stuff, um, you know. And I actually see people on the biohack board that are like, "Yeah, everyone that I talk to is freaked out. This is a sign of the devil." And it's like you need to find different, different people. I live in an entire city. I have talked to hundreds of people in my city uh, about implants and stuff, and basically everybody's super excited about it. Um, and I know that everybody can't just like pick up and run off and go to another city and stuff like that, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you should at least know that that, that exists. Like, there's a whole big in this, there's a big world out there, and most people don't give a single fuck about any weird thing that you want to do. Um, there are people that want to chop off their arms because they think they have one too many legs. You know, so like, and you want to get a microchip? So what? Nice. Zero fucks given. Kind of, yeah, sorry. Take away on that. <laughs> um, so you just mentioned, uh, you know, talking about the, the guy that had like a patent on uh, a, his own little recipe and, mm. and which he used insulin. What in the world did he use insulin for? Because... I thought that was a uh, you know body using that to process sugar. How that right? So so that's that's where this gets really cool. Um, so I'm going to actually pull this up um, so that I get the exact name correct. Um, but so uh, so the the molecule that we were using uh, was chlorine six. That was kind of like the the main molecule, and. Um, and they'd actually used that previously in uh, cancer research uh, mm -hmm. and, and treating cancer where they would, they would insert the chlorine 6 into the cancer cells and then they'd shoot it with a low-level laser and the C6 kind of like upped the power and killed cells, right? So it turns out that the way that they did that was by using insulin. And so it downregulates the ABC G2 pathway, which allows the insulin to be absorbed into the cell. So, you know, this is kind of like one of those biology things where it's, oh, like this is what we use it for, but there's a lot of other things happening. And, and this is evidently one of them. Um, and so we ended up hunting down a paper that, that talked about this. So if it increases absorption, would it then uh, create that much more of a danger to the retina? or you know damaging the eye then it, after absorption totally a legitimate concern this is why we don't give it to people <laughs> i like i mean it's um it, it was safe enough to try out but in all honesty this was kind of like a lark this was we were like hey this is really interesting i want to try it out this is by all means not fully tested um and that's just kind of how it goes. That makes me want to ask then uh, at that point, if, you know, somebody else does trials with the, you know, would they then be safe to drive home or it's, you know, you, after the testing area, just make sure to keep that person in a dark area until that's, that's, that's what we did. We just, um, you know, we had the protective lenses and sunglasses and everything like that. Um, a couple of people have contacted me about replicating it and go, they went stargazing, they went hiking. Um, you know, they've, they've done a couple of stuff like that. There's actually, uh, uh, an individual down in Austin and he's, uh, trying to replicate the study and he's, he's taking that next step and, uh, you know, doing the research to see if it actually works. And, um, yeah, his name's Machiavelli Davis. And, um, and I, and I think that's awesome because at the end of the day, uh, people are like, oh, hey, this is, this is like crazy night vision stuff. And it's like, ah, oh, man, this is initial research. Like you do baby steps. 
So, you know, other people are taking that next step. And I think that's great. Him on him on last week. Was it last week, Cooper, for the for the podcast there? Yeah, I mean, it was last week's recording. It hadn't been posted yet because still editing that. For, we had some audio issues that week uh, due to internet. But uh, that's why I was asking about it because uh, with Prophase Bio Studios, I'm actually helping with that and might end up being one of the test subjects, though it makes me concerned since I have to commute. might have to be a control group at that point because if, if it's that sensitive of an issue, I definitely would not want to drive home and deal with headlights at that point. So, so it's, I mean, like, that's the thing. If you follow the protocol, like in the paper, we talk about the fact that it, it's two hours up and four hours down. So, you know, take a nap and sleep it off, man. And, and then you'll be fine. I, I still have my eyeballs. So vote of confidence over here. <laughs> or are they cybernetic implants? No cybernetic implants. Not yet. <laughs> uh, for, for obviously, you've got a lot of projects coming up now um, that you spoke to us about. If, if people wanted to sort of, you know, keep up to date with what you're doing, is there a good way of doing that? And um, Yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm actually a terrible... I've learned that I'm a terrible blog poster. Um, so so I, there, is, there is a webpage, which is scienceforthemasses.org. Um, but on, honestly, um, I'd be more excited. Like People don't really need to keep up with what I'm doing. I'd be more excited to hear about what other people are doing. You know, like don't, don't go out there and look for people to, to be the interesting thing that you read about. I like go do that thing instead yourself. And so if, if you're, if you're interested in, in the way that people are going to develop stuff, what, what do you see is going to happen? If, if you were just going to make a, an educated guess or what do you see in the future of, of biohacking um, grinding or any of the pyramid? Uh, well, generally, generally it all comes down to normalization through exposure, which means at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's all going to become pretty casual. Like we like to think that it's going to be like some sort of wonderful breakthrough event. And then everybody's going to just be like, we're all like rocket packing and stuff like, and it's just like, that's not historically, that's not how things work. How things work is generally like people do stuff until enough people do stuff that everyone's kind of casually doing stuff. And it's, it's all very dull, which is fine because like, that's how the world moves forward is not through these like exciting oh my gosh, I'm, you know, in my flying car stuff. But it's like, you do realize that in your pocket is a device that has more computational power than the entire United States government did back in 1980. And that didn't really happen because it was like a big crazy thing. It just happened because we ended up doing it. Um, so I, I see a lot of this technology kind of going the same way. It's not TED Talks. It's not Elon Musk talking about like, here's this exciting thing and I'm going to change the world. It's like, now the world changes incrementally and slowly and it really happens with the meat and the potatoes and kind of just like normal, normal stuff. It's like, well, and, and, and now everybody, uh, you know, now everybody has magnets. Why does everybody have magnets? Well, you know, it's cause like, that's the thing. Duh. And it is, it's probably going to be that way for just about every other piece of technology because historically every piece of technology has been accepted in the exact same way, which is just like kind of, and then everybody does it because, oh yeah, this guy. Like, do you remember CDs? Like, I remember when my like when my neighbor got a CD player. This was kind of like a big deal, and it was like people were like getting really, really like they were like, whoa! It's like I can go to the library and just like rent a bunch of CDs just because it's kind of there. Like, like the future isn't the, the wonderful shiny bits. The future is usually garbage, actually. It's like the, the easy disposable crap that we all just kind of take for granted. Uh, special thanks to Gabriel Lucina for taking time to talk to us today. If you want to learn more about this journey we take weekly, check out dangerousminds.io. All of us want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us as we explore the tech and the people behind it within this fastly growing community of biohacking, grinding, and plantable technology today. Please feel free to reach out to us 
with questions and comments, you're welcome to find us at DangerousMinds.io or our Facebook page. Just do a quick search for Dangerous Minds Podcast on Facebook and you'll find us. And perhaps we might one day talk to you about the work and or projects you're exploring and developing. Until next week, seek the spark. Project won't compile, it'll be alright Computer science for life, and that's my direction Instead of be bows, my home is throw exceptions